Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and special guest, welcome back, Kate Welker. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me back. Great to have somebody on our team that... Loves taxes almost as well. No, she loves taxes more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this time of year, I doubt myself, but I do. (laughs) Well, Kate, I have to tell you, I know we're not, we're not celebrating that tax season is over. We're celebrating that S Corp season is over. This is being recorded on March 15th. So we're celebrating that our clients that have S Corps um, and farms have been filed at this point in time. And so we can celebrate a little bit about that. Any good wines before we dig into a real hot topic about the most recent stimulus bill? You know, I'm still a um, novice and learning a lot. Um, You recently recommended Vice Vineyard, which I've been able to sample and I have enjoyed. Um, And my newest revelation, I think, is that it's not so much what I'm drinking, but the company. It's more satisfying when we have good friends and good company around and um, something I think I'll enjoy by myself doesn't quite hit as nicely as it does when there's others to share it with. I absolutely agree. A good glass of wine after a hard day is still a good glass of wine, but a good glass of wine after a hard day with a great group of friends tastes so much better. We just um, heard from Lakewood Vineyards last Wednesday that they bottled a new rosé with Lemberger grape. And so I had to order some. (laughs) So it is on its way to me in Florida. I'll let you know next week what it's like. (laughs) I have sampled their Lemberger and it is really delicious. I can't wait to taste their rosé. So I'm super excited. It's like one of those dun 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 stay posted. So, yes. so digging into the serious topic that we wanted to share with folks um, last Wednesday, I guess it was, uh, there was a brand new stimulus bill that was signed into effect, um, including the uh, $1,400 per person plus some additional amounts, which we're going to dig into the details of that because it's not that easy. Um, And that actually hit some people's bank accounts over the weekend as pending, but not actually effective until the 17th when this podcast is actually going to come out. So it means it won't be usable until that point. So don't call your bank and ask them. (laughs) That's a good point. I've had some people asking me, actually, someone last week called me 
and wanted to know if it was their tax refund. Um, and I said, no, that actually matches your stimulus. So it surprised me they were out that quickly. And I do know my bank actually has a banner up right now stating, do not call us. It might show us pending, but it's not available <laughs> in your account. So I imagine they're getting just as many phone calls regarding the payment. Well, I'd like to dig in to, because a big part of this is a, that's different from the first stimulus is, is how the dependents how much the dependents are getting is getting calculated into this formula. Let's take a step back and really talk about how this bill is different and how that calculation is taking place and how people might want to do this going forward. Yeah. So this one is different because in the previous um, stimulus packages they've passed, if you had a child that didn't qualify for the child tax credit, meaning they're 17 or over, they did not get any kind of payments. Even if they filed their own return, but you claim them, there was not a payment for those individuals. So it was sort of a gap in the law. And this one uh, includes them. So if you did file a return and you claimed a dependent that's in that age bracket, typically they're your high school seniors or your juniors or seniors or your college students, they will qualify for a payment this time around. So that's very different. Yes, it's very different. And when it comes to filing, you may want to discuss whether you should claim them or not claim them. I know some people did not want to claim their children so that they could file their own taxes and get their payments, even though if you really read the guidelines, they would not be eligible for it. Um, but this sort of was an impetus to leave them on and file the way that you really should file. Right, because some people them. are some people are not claim like you said, they're they were gonna give up the five hundred dollars that they were gonna get for claiming their child and let their child claim on the, by themselves this year. And then the child will get the $1,200 for the first one and the $600 for the second one. So they would basically get the $1,800. But if they do that, now they're not going to get this amount for this stimulus. Correct. And it's not just, it's not this time around for dependent. It's not just that cut and dry that way either, is it? If you have dependents. No, it is not. <laughs> so... There's a little bit of math to go into this. Yes. Yes. Are you you leading into the child tax credit? I am leading into the child tax credit. Okay, making sure I was following you. Um, This is probably the piece that is, I was going to say not talked about as much. I mean, I think the news is leading with the stimulus payment, the checks coming out this week. But the child tax credit for anyone who has children 17 and younger younger could be a really big piece. And I think there's a lot of... um, false excitement about it, I'm going to say, from what I'm reading from people, because the way that it's been worded in a few publications I've read or, you know, topics on social media, it looks like it's almost like a mini stimulus coming out starting in the summer, uh, prepaying. Well, here's the, here's the key word. It's prepaying a credit. And it makes it sound like it, almost you're getting another payment, um, just a flat payment for them, like the stimulus check, when in fact, as I said, it's a prepayment on a credit for next year's tax return. So the important, there's a couple of things. So we're, t- we're talking about two different things here, right? One was the stimulus payment that's going to happen. And then one was the child tax credit that's going to happen. Correct. You get a child tax credit right now if your child's under the age of 17, um, $2,000, right? And if, if they're Correct. after that, they're kind of, if they're over the age of 17, then you don't get a child tax credit, you get a dependent credit, which yes, is less, yes. right? So now what they're saying is, okay, we're going to give you this and we're going to give you a portion of this in advance, potentially, or you can wait and get it all next year on your tax return. And then for simple math. And not have to worry about getting too much, right? Because this isn't like, one of the things that stood out to me is this isn't like the stimulus where if you got too much and you shouldn't have, 
you don't have to return it. But in this situation, there is a reconciliation that's involved. So if you get too much, you have to return it. Yes, correct. So if your attack situation in um, the 2020 return is different than what the 2021 return will be, you could potentially end up paying some of that back. Um, Additionally, one thing that I've been recommending to people is... um, So currently this child tax credits $2,000 per child. What it will be going to is $3,000 per child over the age of, I think it's six. If they're younger than that, it's Mm $3,600. For my example, I'm going to use three because it's easier math. So if you have two children right now, you have a tax credit of $4,000 on your return. Next year, that would be $6,000. But they're going to start paying that out. Half of that is going to be paid in advance starting in the summer. So when you go to file your taxes, if you've got $3,000, you're only going to get three on your return, which is $1,000 less than you had this year. And I am a little worried it's going to make some people that really rely on that to offset the taxes, oh, on the return next year. Or if they made more income than what they weren't expecting, they are going to get a reduced credit and have to owe back some of that advanced credit as well. I think that's an important part that you just raised is that Um, the way that it's being promoted in the news, I don't think that people understand that there's, um, this is not in addition to. Correct. Yes. It sounds like it's a, I think, like I said, a little bit more like the stimulus is an extra payment. They're going to just start. And even myself, when I first started reading it, when they were proposing this, uh, I think it was my mom that called. She's like, Hey, have you heard this yet? You're going to get an extra $300 per child. Um, so I, had to go back and actually read what was being proposed. And it took even myself, who I think is fairly knowledgeable and can read some of the jargon a few times through reading it to really understand the way that they were setting this up. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my concerns is we're finding that with um, the tax return this year, you have to reconcile if you got a stimulus check or not. People are forgetting the details of if and when they got it. And there's going to be some record keeping involved on your side. If you do get this credit, when you go to file your return next year, you're going to need to know how much you were paid in advance. Now, the IRS will probably set up a lookup of some sort, I would think, but it's not always accurate or up all the time. It does tend to go down at times. So um, that's part of your decision-making. If you are getting this credit would be to keep, um, keep records early and just keep track of what you're actually getting paid so that when it comes time to file the return, you're not backtracking and trying to figure that out. And I think, you know, if you're looking for a recommendation from us, I think Kate and I would both recommend that you not get it in advance. If, if you don't absolutely need it, um, would be to hold off so that you don't make a mistake because they will reconcile it at some point in time. You'll get a letter saying you have reported this on your tax return, but we have records of this and you'll have to repay the money. So um, plus interest. Right. So. No, I, I agree. If you don't need it, um, it's no, it's not a, sometimes people think it's bad to wait to get a bigger return, which we, there's a lot of discussion about getting an appropriate return. But when it comes right. to an advanced credit, especially if you are potentially close to those income limits, yeah. I would recommend deferring and um, not taking the credit when it comes out. It's it, from a similarity perspective, it's the same thing with the health um, care credit, the advanced credit you can get on healthcare. If you underreport your income and get a higher advanced care credit, then you have to pay at the end of the year the variance. You have to reconcile that variance. Um, so, so this is similar in nature to that. Um, so we, you know, we often don't want people to. Um, you don't know what you're, you know, what you're up against. If you do decide to take the money. 
like Kate said, just make sure that you keep really good records of that. And, and that's the problem that we're most concerned about with folks is that when we ask that question next year, um, that it's underreported. Um, mm-hmm. so, so just be, I guess, buyer beware in that situation. Uh, be, be, make sure that yeah. you're, you're staying tuned for that. Yeah. And we are waiting for more information from the IRS themselves. And I think you'll hear us say that a couple of times as we go through the next topics. Uh, we're still not sure how they're actually, it's one thing for um, legislation to be passed, the next for the IRS to interpret it. <laughs> well, actually you bring up, yeah, that, that's a really important point. And I think another thing that goes along those same lines in, and we've had some clients be affected by this is unemployment. Unemployment, um, and we've actually filed some returns um, because we weren't sure what was going to happen with the legislation, but unemployment, uh, up to $10,200 of unemployment that was received in the legislation is to be exempt. But of course, the tax software isn't set up for that because it didn't know that it was going to go back to 2020. And the IRS actually has on their website basically what you just said, Kate, stay tuned for for their guidance. Yeah, I actually have it pulled up. Well, right now I've had it up all day, seeing if there's more information. It's just stay tuned for details. Um, And there's a lot of people out there. I'm on some, you know, forums with, uh, with accountants and tax professionals waiting to see if anyone knows what to do yet. And everyone's just saying, sit tight. Because if you go back and amend, there's a possibility they might not require an amendment. I don't see that happening. I think we'll have to do amendments, but um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they'll do internal reconciliations. My concern is that the IRS has been overwhelmed, I think is the, the slight way to put that at this point. Uh, so them catching up to all of this is going to take some time. Yeah. My guess is that it would be faster to amend it and get the money back than it is for them to do the reconciliation if that's what they come out with. Right. You know, but but the problem is right now we can't amend until the legislation tells us how to do that. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's got to be an exclusion somewhere in the software, in the right. in the reporting that will that we'll be able to to go. And I think again, you know, we're we're gonna abide by the April 15th and they know that deadline. I don't know if that means that they might, I don't know if they'll extend. I really don't want it. I just would rather that they come out with the legislation. No one wants them to extend it. They can yeah. have the legislation, but they come out with the guidance and that it's a programming fix. I mean, if you think about it, you know, from a programming perspective, most states have some sort of exclusion built mm-hmm. into the program itself. So you would think that it would be something that programmers would be able to put in for an update. You would, you would think. I'm waiting to hear some guidelines too on if they can, you can exclude it from your income, but will they still count it towards uh, things such as your earned income or modified adjusted gross income if it's going to be included across the board or not, just to see how that affects some other credits yeah, that people might true. be on the borderline about. So I think there's still a lot, a lot to come on that topic. Yeah. Talk about... Talk about dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> and people that are really, um, I do know there's a lot of people sighing a little sigh of relief right now because they may have had an unexpected tax bill from, yeah. um, we'll call it the unemployment's not usually a blessing, but the extra money just was not something that they were anticipating in their right. uh, maybe overall tax situation or tax bracket. So this will give a little bit of relief to some. And they just, they just didn't have, an, they didn't know that they had to sign up separate for withholding. And right. we've seen a couple people with that situation who owned a much larger than anticipated tax bill for two reasons. One was because they got unemployment. And the second reason was because of that new ugly W-4. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ugly is a good word for that. Yes. 
Before we move on to the ugly double before, I do want to um, put another sort of stay tuned clause into this mix. Um, many people thought that uh, student loan debt forgiveness was going to be included in this law. Um, the, the Department of Education actually can control whether or not student loan is student loan debt is forgiven at some point in time. But what was interesting about this law was that um, there was an exclusion that supported the cancellation of up to $10,000 in student loans per borrower would not count as income. So that was an interesting provision. It's almost like it's setting it up, right? So, um, so depending on where, what happens in the future with future legislation, if they, for example, if they forgave twenty thousand dollars of everybody's student loans, then ten thousand is taxable, but ten thousand could be. Mm-hmm. I've had some questions on that. That people wanting to know if that was included or not, and I said the same thing. It seems to be setting up the framework for what might come down the road, and the taxability of forgiveness has been a topic that I know for us speaking with clients, planning around that's really important. Yeah. Um, even not knowing how to advise people, sometimes not knowing what will be happening. Right. If you're if you're in a public service loan forgiveness job and we're talking about doing, you know, 10 years of public service loan and then in year nine, you go into the private sector. Well, we've planned for that to be forgiven in year 10 and, and things sometimes just change or laws change even if you don't ever go into public service and you're just doing income-based repayments for 20 or 25 years. Um, we still don't know for sure if that's going to be a taxed event um, if there's a balance left after that point in time. So things, things can change. That's all we can say. So I want to side hustle to that, or I guess take out the pin for that W4 comment that I made. We've seen so far um, about a month and a half into to working on returns this year, we've seen a lot of people under withholding this year. I think it's because when I say that ugly W4, there's, <laughs> there's really not a good way to fill that form out. <laughs> <laughs> There's not. And I think the old form was around so long, people kind of got used to it. You knew what you'd fill out. You just kind of check the quick box, whether you were single or married, and then you just wrote, wrote in your number, whether that was zero, two, four. And people will still tell you, I claim, you know, I claim married in three. Well, the new form is not, um, you are not able to fill it out that way anymore. <laughs> it's a little more complex uh, the actual worksheets are lengthier if you were to go through the whole thing and all of the questions. And I do think it's a little misleading on the um, the questions themselves, the way they're asked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It now but, wants dollar amounts versus a number. I was going to say, what's the, and and if for if people have a side hustle now, I mean that that makes a big difference too, right? Because on the form you can actually put well. I shouldn't say on the form. In the calculation, you can actually put like if you have income from other sources to see if you need to withhold, if you're having enough withhold from from those multiple sources. What's the best way, in your opinion, that people can make sure that they've filled that form out correctly to have enough properly withheld? I recommend using the calculator on the irs.gov website. I usually just... um use a search engine to type type in W4 calculator and it will bring up the tax withholding estimator. Um, and again, that's on the irs.gov website. They have that. And I do like the new W4 in the sense that it does account for more sources of income. Mm-hmm. You can, if you have two jobs, typically they're not both withholding enough or accounting for that. It's just, again, making sure you follow the steps and actually read what's being requested of you. 
But if you go to the, their website and use the calculator, it takes what's on that worksheet attached to the W-4 and puts it in a digital format. So you can go through and put your information. You'll need um, a recent pay stub and you'll need to know some information about yourself, like how often you're paid and um, look at, they'll want to know how much has been held withheld year to date. What do you expect to make? What do you expect your um, spouse to make if you're filing jointly? And again, if you have extra income, you can go through and it can get very detailed. It's almost like filing a mini return, or you can choose to skip some of the entries on that to make it. Now, now that's also something that we've been trying to go through when we're doing our clients tax returns. We're kind of trying to look at that and say, these are some things that you might want to adjust. And if somebody is under withholding, I know I'm kind of walking through saying, you know, file, like, here's a new one that you might want to file with your employer to, to actually, so this is a good time to be looking at that and, and really taking into consideration. The one caveat is if you think you're going to get credits, don't over withhold either. And I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of giving too much uh, interest-free money to anybody, <laughs> especially if I think I can do something good with it. <laughs> right. Well, it, like I mentioned, it does get pretty in-depth in credit. So if you're comfortable with that, put it in because you don't want to, definitely don't want to over-withhold. And I do recommend if you use this and update your W-4, the next paycheck it goes into effect, look at them to make sure it makes sense. Um, and we're also, I, I think what I'm seeing is that not all pay work, payroll softwares are able to keep up with the new form. It's just not accurately adjusting. So if you fill out a form and it gives you a number that you think should be more accurate, example, you owed this year. And if you owed um, $500, it'd be about $10 a week. So just kind of pay attention to what your um, pay stub reflects after that change has been made and make sure, again, it makes sense when you actually look at it. So that's an important topic. Um, now, I think that there's a few other items that are probably timely that we should be talking about, too, that came out of the stimulus. Anything particular come to mind to you first? Oh, I'll ask TJ to edit that part. Yeah, I, was, no, uh, I was thinking that we forgot something. I know. I was just looking at my list. Like, um, Did we cover everything? I think so. Stimulus, dependence. And the one thing I don't know is it to claim it if you didn't get it. Like if you didn't file your tax return, maybe we should talk about what, holding off on filing or pushing up your filing. Like if you're not going to qualify, maybe you don't want to file yet. If you're not going to qualify? Like if your income, your 2020 income would be too high. Oh, so you get the stimulus you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to get into that or not, but mm. yeah, no, that's not <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just re- reviewing your tax return and why you should look at it. Yeah. Okay. So I'll have him cut all this part out. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. <laughs> so kind of in closing, a um, couple things. This is an important time of year. I mean, I, you know, I think this has brought some things to light just in general about our tax returns and knowing some of those numbers on our tax returns, because some of this stimulus obviously has cap. Like, you know, if, if you, um, if in 2019 you made more money than in 2020, you wanted to get your tax return filed because you wanted to get the, you know, the stimulus credits. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that also may have made you eligible for this, but if we just filed your tax return, it might not, show up quite as quickly as some other folks that had lower income in 2019 or haven't filed yet in 2020. But I think it's a good time to really know where your numbers are coming from. I I know that the new, I still call it the new tax form, um, 
is supposed to be a one page and it's supposed to be easy and all that sort of stuff. But I actually think the old one was a bit more easy, easier to break down. If people were looking, we used to every call things above the line and below the line, right? It used to be the two pages. Um, but I think knowing where your income is coming from and the sources is really important in these situations where we're talking about, are you eligible and are you not eligible? And I think where a lot of people get confused sometimes is between the words AGI, modified AGI, and taxable income, right? Yes. So there's three different terms that we use, and they all are important because for some of the credits, AGI is important. And for some of the credits, modified AGI is what's used. So Kate, why don't you talk about AGI and I'll add in some of the things that modify it. (laughs) Sounds good. And uh, I always tell people that your tax return talks to you. So at the end of the year, it's a good time to look at it and see what it's telling you. Like knowing your numbers is really important. Um, So adjusted gross income is going to take all of your sources of taxable income. So your your wages, like what you get from a job or your net income from your business, uh, investment earnings, such as like your dividends, your incomes, capital gains, retirement income that you pulled out of IRAs or 401ks, um, all those sources of income that are going to be taxable to you. And then minus the adjustments. So adjustments are things that, and again, this is what we used to call above the line adjustments, Um, these are your IRA deductions. If you do a traditional IRA student loan interest, um, if you are a teacher, there's an exclusion for, um, educator expenses on the return. It's that section. Again, it used to be on the bottom of the front of the 1040 and now it's on schedule one and there's a list there. And once you subtract those, you come to your adjusted gross income. And then, and then sometimes you have to add them back, like certain items back in, (laughs) (laughs) to modify the adjusted gross income even further, right? (laughs) Yes. And and it sometimes depends on what you're looking at, how they calculate the modified adjusted gross income. (laughs) So so if it seems confusing, that's why it is. Because not all, like when we talk about modified adjusted gross income, for certain credits, there are certain things that you truly use the modified adjusted gross income. And then for other things, it's things like adding back in, um, things like a muni income, right? That's normally excluded from your AGI, but they want to add it back into that number to come up with that calculation sometimes. So then taxable income is after your itemized deductions or standard deductions. So you have AGI minus all the adjustments Kate came up with to come up with modified adjusted gross income. Then you subtract off what we used to call below the line, right? Right, below the line on page two. Subtract off your taxable, and I still call it that, um, the the standard deduction or your your, um, itemized deductions to come up with your taxable income. Now, taxable income can be two different types of income. It can be capital gain dividend and qualified dividends, and it can be ordinary income. So if you, you can't just take your taxable income and say, oh, you know, times X, it actually then has to be broken out and they fill up the bucket first of regular income. Then they look and say, do you qualify for capital gains? Capital gains? Right. So when people, sometimes that's a mistake that people make. They'll say, oh, well, part of my capital gains are going to be at zero. And maybe they will be because maybe part of your income will fall in the, the 15% bracket, but they don't 
separate them. Right. They think that if my, if your taxable income falls and that 0% cap qualifies you for the 0% capital gains bracket, all of it is at 0%. When in reality, it's only just enough to get you up to that next line and the rest is at the 15%. Yeah. So it's counted, right? And that, so when they're calculating out what that 15% tax bracket is, they're looking at, okay, here was your ordinary income. That's great. That was at 12%, say. But then they're going to look at how much did you have in capital gains and add that on to actually determine were you above or below the 15% tax bracket. So again, not exactly, right? That's that's not exactly something that's people easy to know to break that out, right? right. And since, since our tax brackets don't have, like our ordinary income tax brackets don't have a 15% tax bracket anymore, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not as easy. It is not. I know I used to be able to tell people a flat like rate they would fall in. And it's, yeah, it's much more challenging. Um, I'm thankful for software because those worksheets are a little mind boggling to walk through. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we can look at the what the software has done and verify on the worksheet. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that it's been done correctly. So um, this is usually the end of this, you know, section where I transition over to, you know, the nourish your roots section of the podcast. And I say, if there's one tip you'd like to give the audience <laughs> about finance, but we've just spent a whole half an hour or more talking about text, tax and tax tips and the, the third stimulus plan that was passed, um, over, over the last year, basically, is is what it is. If we look at the time frame of all of this, is there one piece of advice that you can give to people right now in the thick of tax season, other than maybe hold off on filing? <laughs> <laughs> Wait until uh, your tax professionals actually know how this is going to happen. Um, I, I think my biggest thing would be when I said before, just like review your return. I said it sort of talks to you. I mean, it, it's going to, I can look at a return and see a lot more about it. Um, people might think me a little nerdy that I say I can look at a 1040 and it tells me a story, but it, it does. And it's really important just to pay attention to what's on there and to know those questions about when people ask your adjusted gross income, you should have at least an idea of where, where that fell um, what your household income was, compare it to last year, and then just kind of see where you're going next year because it's never good to have a surprise at the end of the year. So if things change, it's a good time to update those tax forms and or reach out to ask someone questions on what you should be doing. Well, I think that's a great tip to share with people right now. And we will try to keep you updated. I know we're all looking to read more about the legislation. I'm on a page about 200 and something out of 700, I think it is. Um, my brain's been a little taxed, ha ha ha. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, stay tuned and uh, make sure that you uh, talk to your tax professional or us if you happen to be one of our clients, and and make sure that um, you know you're in the know of your situation of what's going on or how this is going to affect you. We're certainly going to be spending some time. Uh, talking to people about this, not just during tax season, but I know we're going to be doing some planning for 2021 just in general mm -hmm. because of some of this stuff and seeing how the legislation ends up flushing out and to see what comes with more stuff like the student loan forgiveness and, and seeing where that all flushes out for a lot of folks. Because again, we don't know what they're going to get, you know, what dollar amount they might get, have for forgiveness if they even do it, but um, seems to be setting the stage for that. So we think there's a lot more to come in 2021. So stay tuned. 
Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this show. And if you did, please share it with your friends and family and and, uh, tell them to hop on over and subscribe so that they can get more updates like that. We look forward to hearing from you. And if there's anything special that you want to talk to, we would love us to talk about. We would love to hear from you on what that topic is. We hope you've enjoyed the the show. And I know it's probably taken a whole bottle to make it through. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.